Hello and welcome to episode eight of Kyber Loves Movies. My name is Gregorio or Kyber, and once again, I'm joined by a very special guest, my friend, longtime friend, uh, Owen. Hi, how's it going? Good, awesome. Uh, have you just, yeah, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm so excited to talk movies with you. Yeah, me too. Um, I've been. Oh, a long time movie fan. Um, I honestly a movie buff for quite a while. Um, so it's an honor to be on the show. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the the show I'm I've more recently just become like within the last five years become very invested in the in the I mean more than five years, but it's been I've been very interested and it just keeps keeps growing and my love and just respect of film just keeps growing and growing. And uh, yeah, so what I, what I wanted to start off talking with you about is I, I kind of, when, when you asked to be on the show, I was like, oh yes, of course. Then you kind of had a few ideas of what you wanted to talk about. And the main thing that kind of jumped out to me at first was Edgar Wright's Three Flavors Cornado Trilogy. So yeah, you, you had brought me up with that idea and I, I loved it. I love that trilogy of films. So why don't you talk about it a little? Yeah, um, I mean, it was, it was the first thing I suggested because I think it's honestly such a iconic thing within movies um, across all movie history. And, it, and it's pretty recent too, so it's really accessible to the public. Um, essentially, for people that don't know, the Three Flavors Canada trilogy consists of three movies, um, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End has the exact same director um, and the same main actors that play pretty much the same roles in every single movie, um, which is super cool. Um, and then the Cornetto part, part of it is it's, a, it's an ice cream company um, that the main actors loved um, and have worshiped for years and they kind of include little references in each movie. Um, yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. So, yeah, um, the this trilogy at first when I when I first like kind of I think the first movie in this trilogy that I saw was actually The World's End, um, <laughs> and I didn't for the longest time I didn't know that they were like a trilogy until like after I saw that movie, uh, and it's it's not a trilogy that you think of in the traditional sense with the same exact like characters and storyline. And stuff. It's more. It's an antho. It's antho. It's an anthology-based trilogy, uh, with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost as the main uh, actors, and uh, of course Edgar Wright as the director. And it's each film is very unique in that it has a set genre, but it plays with the genre that it is a lot. Um, my personal favorite probably is The World's End, just because I've seen it the most. And I just, I love the journey that the characters go on. The World's End is basically about six, five or six friends uh, who are grown up, who, but used to like talk about going on this beer run where they hit 12 different bars uh, ending at the World's End. And they, and Simon Pegg's character kind of wants to relive the glory days and wants to do this bar run but there's, a, there's kind of obstacles in the way, such as life and also aliens trying to yeah. take over the planet. <laughs> the t- the just, town happens to be run by aliens, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and it's just a fun little twist on the genre that when I, when, it's funny, when I first saw the trailer for it, I was like, oh, this movie looks great. But I, was, I think I was too young to see it then. <laughs> and so I, I saw it years later. But it's, I, I'm a very big sci-fi guy. And so... I really like that 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 twist and um, that just makes worlds the world's end one of my favorites of the trilogy. But the other two, Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, are definitely just super good as well. Yeah, um, honestly, uh, I hadn't seen the world's end until like a couple months ago, um, and I just took it upon myself to actually finish the trilogy. I saw Shaun of the Dead first, like over probably a decade ago. Yeah. Um, maybe too young to understand it or it's, it's beauty. Um, and, and so for that reason, I think Shaun of the Dead is actually my favorite because 
one, it makes fun of Dawn of the Dead, the you know cult classic film. Yeah. Um, but it's also it's it's a romantic comedy, but also with zombies. Um, and I think the way that the actors put it, it's a rom zom com film, um, yeah. which is kind of cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I, and I, I was doing a little bit of research. They only made Shaun of the Dead for like six million dollars. Really? Um, which I was like, that's awesome yeah. that you know it became such a popular thing and it was on such a low budget. Um, yeah, and yeah, as as you were talking about, none of the movies actually have anything to do with each other, um, except for the, you know, amazing screenplay and directing um, yeah. and actors that are in each of them. Yeah, because uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost wrote all three of them. Mm-hmm. Edgar Wright is one of my, like, is such a unique <laughs> and very special actor for me, just because all his films are so unique. And so I, I originally, I originally got into this trilogy because of Edgar Wright, because I remember um, a few years ago, Baby Driver was coming out. Uh, and I think that that might be the first Edgar Wright film I've seen. And then I yeah. went back. And I, I love that film so much. So unique, so stylish. And then I saw Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, mm-hmm. also done by Edgar Wright. And that movie is li- literally one of my favorite movies <laughs> just because it's so kind of geeky and nerdy, but also cool. And so it's, it's stylish as heck. It's so unique. And so after seeing those two films, I was like, okay, I like this director. I like what he does. And I wanted to see more films done by him. And so I went and saw The World's End. I actually own that on my iTunes library. Nice. Uh, and then I saw then I saw Hot Fuzz and then I saw Shaun of the Dead. So I kind of went the reverse order <laughs> in the trilogy. Uh, and I think, I think it goes in that order for me. Like, uh, Okay. The World's End, then Hot Fuzz, then Shaun of the Dead. Uh, it's not it's not like I didn't enjoy Shaun of the Dead. I just liked the other two more. No, um, for sure. I don't think any of the movies are, are bad yeah, by any yeah. means. Um, they're all fantastic. But yeah, like, I mean, just talking about Edgar, Edgar Wright's, like, his ingenuity, um, yeah. the genius he is, you know, see, seeing Scott Pilgrim for the first time and the witty one-liners that there's nothing like it aren't they're not cringy they actually they fit in really well um yeah and scott pilgrim you know it's 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 a comic you know that's what it originated from and he incorporates a lot of that into the film um and then uh, yeah with baby driver you know the music fits with every single action within the film it's just so genius i love that (laughs) word genius it's yeah it's something that I never thought of. Like when I when I was watching those movies, it's just it's so unique and so creative, and it's something that I I like I look up to and would possibly be inspired by. Because uh, I I've I've often thought about kind of just the film industry and like kind of that process of making films, and I've wanted to possibly get into that, but just just looking just Edgar Wright. I mean, there's, I there's nothing like watching Scott Pilgrim versus the world <laughs> for the first time. It's such a outstanding and wonderful experience because right from like the opening scene, it's just you're hit with so many, so many like callbacks to video games and comics and stuff like that. And it's just such a really good movie. And Edgar Wright, every film that he makes is so unique yeah and it's just um, amazing i would think one of the main things i've noticed about edgar wright is that throughout all of his movies that he's ever made i've never seen a scene that didn't make sense you know yeah. every single scene that was in the movie made sense to the plot it was necessary it wasn't just oh let's just you know have a random shoot of you know the countryside or something like that like every single thing had a purpose to the movie which for me uh you know i i really love like functional things and so for me mm-hmm. i think that's one of the coolest things that he does yeah and i i i really wish i had seen uh at least the world's end again recently because i haven't <laughs> seen it for like a year but i really want to watch those again and just kind of 
re-experience them, especially especially Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, because I can't really remember uh, kind of the plot. Because Shaun of the Dead, zombies, Hot Fuzz is like a is a is a movie focused on like cops and uh, that, but it's also just kind of it's a comedy about uh, these cops in this small uh, British town. And then World's End is just about friends going on a uh, beer run or whatever. And it's, they're so, but I love the subgenres with the zombies and the cops and the aliens. It's just so smart how he kind of just melds and kind of plays with the genres that they are. And I think that's, and it's funny. I always, I always never think of, um, these three films being a trilogy until you actually think about it. They were, they were done by the same director, same writing team, and they have the same kind of just progress, like not, not progression, but kind of like themes and they're, they're, they, ha- they have the same kind of qualities about them. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think the main thing through all of them is, is there's all about like friendship, yeah. really. Um, you know, there, yeah, there's these underlying themes of, you know, sci-fi with zombies. And then in Hot Fuzz, the, the, the town that they're in is actually kind of like crazy. Um, it's like a night cult thing that goes yeah. on. But, and then, yeah, and then the actual, they're not even aliens. They're like robot aliens. Yeah. Um, I, when I, when I just watched it, they, they keep, there's a joke that goes on throughout the entire movie. They're like, they're robots. And they're like, well, are they robots? We can't call them robots. <laughs> Um, because they they still technically have thought and you know they're not essentially ai uh-huh. um and like well we got to treat them like people too they're like okay not robots <laughs> uh anyways um but yeah i mean the overlying theme is, is that they're just friends um trying to make it through the world um often with a drink in their hand and that's just how they roll yeah no definitely yeah. uh yeah i i so i'm glad that you had kind of brought that up to talk about because i just haven't i haven't thought about those movies in a while uh not 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 nothing against them i just i yeah i just haven't i haven't seen hot fuzz or shot of the dead for years i haven't seen the world's end for at least like two or three years uh and i really want to now now after talking about them i really want to kind of <laughs> dive back into them um with with the conversation about edgar Wright, i really want to uh, gush about Baby Driver for a second sure. uh, before I move on because seeing that movie, I was super excited about it. I heard a lot about it. Uh, the trailer just really hit you. I mean, every performance in it is so good. I mean, Ansel Elgort, John Hamm, um, even John Bernthal is in it. There's so yeah. many. There's so many. Jamie Fox. There's so Jamie many people Fox. in it that uh, you're just. And the as you said before, the music is just so well done. You you watch the the music and the soundtrack and the timing and how everything is set to a beat in the movie. You sometimes you see in a trailer where gunshots are like kind of tied to beats, like sure. drum beats in a trailer, and you kind of get hyped up after seeing that for the <laughs> yeah. movie you feel that the whole movie in baby driver the opening scene with bell bottoms and mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like the the shifting of the car the turning it's so well done and it just is a non-stop thrill ride in my opinion for throughout the whole movie and i really love uh ansel elgort as baby in the movie and it's it's such a well done movie i think yeah I think I think it's a really interesting take on car movies, um, just in general. You know, yeah, most people have seen some Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, um, and you know, it's the same plot every single time. But this one, you know, the main character is mostly deaf, um, which you never see in movies. Um, he lives with an old man who also is very much deaf, um, and he's they just trying to take care language. of. Yeah. Um, sign language which happens in a lot of the movie um, a lot of it's based around vibrations and so throughout the movie there doesn't need to be a lot of talk um, there's not a lot of dialogue except for the other side characters to actually progress the story which I think makes it even better in a way um, you know we get to focus more on the, the music on the visual aspects of it um, and that kind of lends it to itself 
then I really, I, a big standout uh, for me at least was Lily. I think it's Lily James as Deborah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She, she is, Lily James is an actress I really loved. I really have enjoyed in a lot of stuff she's done. I can't, I think she was played Cinderella in the live action remake. I think um, that's right. Yeah. And then she was in something more recently, but I really, I have really enjoyed, like she's a really good actress and she, she plays a really good character in this movie and the, the, the relationship and the, the romance between baby and her uh, is just so well done. And I remember right now, I remember a scene when they're like, just listening to a song in the wash in the like laundromat mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's just so good i the the, the music the soundtrack of that movie is so so well thought out and that just leads back to how brilliant and how creative edgar wright is yeah um no i i love her character i actually i haven't, I haven't seen her in a lot of stuff um yeah. but i'll probably check her out more because yeah she you're right she did a fantastic job um I think another great thing about the movie is the kind of the changing of the villain um, throughout it. Uh, you know, Baby being the main protagonist, yeah, he has to face essentially three different people. You know, from Kevin Spacey to Jamie Foxx um, as Bats, and and then yeah, and then um, John Hamm. Um, yeah, as it's kind buddy, of interesting. As Buddy, yeah. Um, and I actually, going off that, um, John Hamm's character is one of my favorites, mainly just for his like character storyline. We see at one point um, him and oh, who's the girl? I don't remember. Um, Darling. <laughs> Darla, yeah, or something like that. Anyways, um, their relationship's really interesting. But then we see, um, we see Jamie Foxx's character calling them out on what their actual lives are. Um, he's like, yeah, you're probably just a stockbroker from Wall Street. And we don't really get to know what the truth is, but we can tell that's probably pretty close. Um, and we see that, you know, eventually later in the movie, we lose Darla. Um, and so I think it's, John Hamm's... Darling. Darling, okay. Yeah. yeah, we played lose by, Darling. Played by Elsa Gonzalez. Okay. Um, but yeah, we lose a character and we see that John Hamm really has nothing left for him, yeah. nothing else that he wants in life. And so he gives an amazing role um, by just giving his all at the very end. Mm-hmm. You know, he has nothing left to lose. Yeah. And that's, that's, again, that's, that's such a wonderful thing about these, these, this movie is all these characters are kind of like gangsters or uh, like these bank robbers, but they're all so unique like from Bats to Buddy to Kevin Spacey's character. It's just the, each one is unique and it, they, they play very good antagonists and, for, and just bad forces against uh, Ansel Elgort as Baby. And it's just, it creates a really good just storyline to follow. Yeah, and they're, they're really good villains because you also kind of feel for them um, at the same time. They're not just bad the entire time. You know, they're also people that have been through a lot and so yeah um, i mean kevin spacey like oftentimes you feel that kind of fatherly connection to baby like he mm he's 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 kind of holding over this debt over him but he still at many times like has feelings towards baby and one like sometimes you can feel sometimes that he wants what's best for baby as well which is really cool to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a really great scene at the end of the movie where, you know, he has his shotgun um, and he essentially ends up saving Baby, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the final thing of, okay, they, they respect each other to yeah. the fullest at this moment. Um, yeah, and it is, it is a father-son kind of thing. And you're like, okay. And it, I fully understand this movie now. Yeah. And I, I feel like, and just that's, that's what's amazing about, not only the Cornado trilogy, not only Scott Pilgrim, but also Baby is all the characters in all these movies are just so unique and so, so stylish. And I think that's a credit to Edgar Wright. And I really, so Edgar Wright, uh, kind of changing the subject a little, was actually supposed to originally direct Ant-Man. Um, oh, in really? The MCU. Yeah. Okay. Um, and 
I think there was, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure about the whole situation, but it ended up being directed by Peyton Reed, who did a wonderful job. Ant-Man, I love, is a really good yeah. Marvel movie. But Fantastic I movie. really, but, but looking back, after, after kind of seeing what Edgar Wright has done with these movies, I really am curious at how that kind of would have fit into the MCU. And because I, I, I had a whole discussion about the MCU last week. Um, but I just, I really would have loved to see Edgar Wright's take on that kind of superhero genre with a character like Ant-Man, who's a very uh, kind of comedic character, uh, especially uh, Scott Lang. And it's, it's, it's kind of a shame. I mean, it, it turned out good, but I, I, <laughs> it's, it's, always, it's, always that it's always that situation of like, what could have been, you know? Yeah, I think I think he would have done an amazing job. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, Ant-Man is like the first comedic film we see in the MCU. Um and it, it does really well. Um personally, I don't I don't think Edgar Wright's directing would fit um with the MCU though. Yeah. You know. Um I think it would be a great standalone superhero film, mm-hmm. but um with kind of the direction that Disney and Marvel has gone. Um I don't think it would fit in because, you know, it, it, as you said, it's stylish, it's niche. It doesn't focus as much on the action of it all. Yeah. Um, and actually, explosions here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. And I think that's been the problem. Like Marvel's, I guess, biggest problem is because I, I guess it's not a problem, but it's something that's been happening is because they have, they have this universe that they need to stick to. And, but they also have, they also have been wanting to get these directors. Um, I know it's a problem that the Star Wars universe has been having because Star Wars, especially with the solo movie, they had gotten Mm -hmm. Phil Lord and Chris Miller who did wonderful movies like the Lego movie and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. But they, they, they kind of were going to bring a comedic, like more of a comedic tone to uh, that movie. And uh, Lucasfilm and Star Wars didn't, that, that, they 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 separated over those kind of creative differences. Same thing happened with um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that's coming out soon. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem with these big, big IPs, big universes, is mm-hmm. kind of all these films have to kind of it works with them being kind of very, not not cookie cutter, but they have the same kind of feel because they're set in the same kind of universe. And if they're too out there, too stylish, it might come off wrong. And I guess that's kind of give and take because it's, it's just kind of what the situation is. It's not, not anybody, it's not necessarily, in my opinion, anybody's fault because they have to do this. And then, but the directors want to like kind of have their vision. And so it's kind of weird, but uh, it's still, it's still kind of, I wish that we could have, I wish that Edgar Wright would like kind of just make an Ant-Man movie uh, that's kind of separate from the MCU as well. So we yeah. kind of get that kind of stylish uh, superhero flick, you know? Yeah, um, it kind of, it really makes you think, you know, Disney has been, you know, monopolizing um, a lot of the industry. And for that, it allows for these big productions to be made because they have the funding and the budget um, and so you can do a lot with that, but yeah, as you're talking about, once you kind of group all these entities together, you have to stick to the same storyline the entire time or else you lose your fan base, yeah. you know? Um, people love Star Wars because it, it was the same throughout, you know? It, it was revolutionary at the time, um, being, you know, one of the first space films, but it stuck to the, it stuck to the same storyline throughout. Um, and so, if you try to go away from that, um, you kind of lose a fan base. But yeah, it makes you think what could have happened if you know there weren't these big corporations essentially that controlled these productions. Yeah, and I mean, I that's that's why that's why people like Edgar Wright making films like Scott Pilgrim and Baby Driver is you get that kind of very Scott Pilgrim is very stylized and very like kind of out there as in uh, just it's really creative. And if it was part of something different, it wouldn't have been as good. And so I think that's just a credit to Edgar Wright. He probably wanted to, like the whole situation was probably, oh, like 
Mar- like Disney Paul or Marvel probably asked him to make an Ant Man movie. He was like, okay, here's my idea, and they probably got far into it. But then people started uh, the the executives probably started talking and it's like, ah, oh, we don't know. But then Edgar Wright probably was like, well, I want to make a movie this way, and if I can't, I'm done. And that's respect to him because he wanted to be like bring his creative vibe to a movie, and he didn't want to kind of just be told exactly what to do and i i respect that a lot and i think more i think filmmakers who do that are very like should are just are really cool and really um respectable yeah i think recently within the past couple years i've really been getting into more niche films Mm -hmm. um ones with you know unknown directors but also ones that have you know a genius for making these films like they have a really specific direction that they want to go um, and they can go all the way through it um yeah i mean recently i i saw was it ex machina which was absolutely amazing um yeah i saw swiss army man um, oh i haven't seen that yet it It is it is one of the weirdest movies i've ever Uh seen but i think it's absolutely amazing yeah um yeah uh you know about finding life and what it really means to live but Daniel Radcliffe is a—he's a corpse, um, and he's being dragged along by a guy who just found him, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, and, and you know, uh, amazing comedic elements. Um, yeah, and then I just saw also on, on a different note, I saw *Midsummer*. Um, oh, *Midsummer*. You know, it's technically a horror film, but it's it's its own cult-like thing. It's it's barely even a horror film. And so did you? Think, so did you like *Midsummer*? I loved it. Okay. <laughs> I so <laughs> it, it was really hard to watch in my opinion. I I could not take my eyes off of it. Yeah, that's um, it's it's just so it was so Midsummer is basically about uh Florence Florence Pugh and uh her boyfriend and a couple of his friends go to this um festival or this mid this midsummer kind of uh celebration in um I don't I don't remember the country um oh gosh i want to say i want to say it's like sweden or something yeah it, um, it yeah, was it's one of it's yeah norwegian countries the, the film's yeah. directed by ari aster and it's it quickly this group of uh people find out kind of that there's darker kind of happenings on at this uh darker kind of just there's a darker history behind this celebration and i don't know like i was i was i was into it it's somewhere along the line the film just kind of lost me i guess it was i i could see it's a very unique very 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 it's it has it's has it has its own taste to it you know yeah um that's the thing like People think of it as a horror film, but it's not really. It's more, no. it's more of a, like an opinion on how cults are formed. Yeah, um, and that, I mean that's the main thing. And they, they go all the way into it. Um, you know, one of the most extreme cults you could ever think of in terms of dances and sacrifices mm-hmm. and um, associating different things with animal animals and animalistic um, elements. But um, yeah, I I don't know. One of the one of the greatest scenes that I saw, I think it was at the very end. Um, we see Florence Pugh, and she's just witnessed something awful with her mm-hmm. boyfriend. Um, but then the group comes, um, and it's a bunch of these girls, and they all come to her. And Florence is she's she's bawling her eyes out. Yeah. But then they all start crying with her, and it's a very rhythmic, um, very well, what's the word? Uh, like animalistic nature, like your very own, you know, who you are, like very like deep down. Um, And they all kind of grunt and cry together. Um, And it kind of makes you think like, wow, she, she went from not even wanting to go on this trip to being a part of the group. Well, I mean, like Florence Pugh has been one of my like favorite up and coming actresses. She is actually just amazing in everything she does mm-hmm. in my opinion and especially in this movie her character starts off and 
the movie just with tragedy. Yeah. Like the, it's, I guess it's, it's not a spoiler, but her, 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 her family just dies at the beginning. Like her sister, yeah. like Gat, is her sister suffers from depression, and she uh, yeah from bipolar yeah yeah, and depression. she she basically commits suicide and also kills her parents all in one night at the same time, and it's just yeah. It's so terrible. And so the movie just starts and you just feel so bad for this character. And so throughout the movie, it's really about Florence Pugh, Florence Pugh's character just kind of finding her, finding a home with this cult and finding peace and finding kind of solace with it. And that's, I guess, the beauty of it, of the movie. Yeah. I, I, I personally <laughs> pro- so I personally probably won't watch this movie again just cuz I didn't I I it was there's there's definitely certain parts to really get out of it and I respect Florence Florence's Florence Pugh's performance in it really really a lot but it's just it's it's not kind of my 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 taste I guess. Yeah. Um no that that the first kind of death scene essentially sets the tone for the entire movie. No, oh, yeah. Um, which you don't often see, you know, usually, you know, there's always a positive buildup and then conflict and then it goes on, but we see something negative at the very beginning. Um, yeah, I think the movie, I don't know, I was, I watched it at one in the morning, um, a little tired. Oh my gosh. But, you know, I was by myself, uh, but I, I was so captivated um, pretty much the entire time, mostly because of the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you ever want to see a movie that has, you know, some of the most beautiful shots, like within it, Midsummer is absolutely fantastic for it. Right now, like when you say that, I'm thinking of like how gorgeous, I mean, the stuff going on in this scene was really, really <laughs> terrible. Yeah. But the, when they're, when they have, when they have the um, elderly kind of mm-hmm. jump off a cliff, Yes. Uh, cause when in this, in this cult like society, when you're, when you reach a certain age, uh, you kind of are just sacrificed or you, you kind of just are forced to like die. Yeah. They kind of, um, they celebrate death um, yeah. in a way that's not very known to Americans or Western society. Um, they, they appreciate death in a sense. And so they uh-huh. willingly, um, every season is essentially 18 years um, in their society. And so the final one being winter, um, at the age of 72, they have no more purpose. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, that scene, even though it's so dark, it's, you the, can't help but appreciate the beauty at the same yeah, time. Yeah, there's like white cliffs or something, like, mm-hmm. I think. And it's yeah. just, it's very, it's a very um, beautiful scene. But then when you see... And the character, the I remember the characters, they're like just kind of enjoying whatever's going on. They're like, oh, this is cool. And this is like <laughs> where, this is w- specifically where the, everything kind of goes into weird like, yeah. stuff. And so, but you just, it's a very like, cre- like it's a, it's a beautiful kind of scene that the characters themselves are really enjoying. And then when they start to realize what's actually going on, then you just see that look of kind of just horror in their face against this beautiful background. And it's just a really, the, even though I don't personally like love the film or mm-hmm. even like it that much, I still like would, I, I might want to see it again just to see like different kind of the ways that they create the, this kind of environment and this kind of scene. It's really well done. Yeah. Um, no, it's interesting because it's it's the same it's the same area pretty much for the entire movie, or at yeah. least the latter part of it. Um, yeah, no, I can I can see how people might be a little astrayed from the movie. Um, yeah, I I think I love it. Kind of, I was talking about it earlier. Um, as soon as that scene happens, you notice that the dialogue kind of just drops off. People stop talking to each other, um, and I mean it adds to like a creepy element. But also, you get to focus more on the symbolism that they put in the movie um, with the animals um, and the nature part of it. Um, 
and I, for me, that's really cool to just be able to notice everything without having to focus on people talking. So. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's funny when we when we started this conversation, <laughs> I didn't think we'd be talking about Midsummer, but I mean, I'm 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 down with it. I'm glad that I actually. <laughs> I'm I'm actually glad that I saw it now so that I can like talk to somebody about it because sure. I saw I saw it with my not many people have seen it like that I talk to normally and it's not something that I would suggest to many people <laughs> as well yeah uh, yeah and so it's but it's fun it's I really like kind of admiring it for what it is and kind of the different uh just themes that it has instead of exactly what happens in the story because it is like it's very very kind of just demented sometimes and scary mm -hmm. like what what happens but it's the 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 way it's filmed the way it's shot the cinematography the directing the acting the performances so just across the board are amazing yeah i mean overall just uh a good movie um by all those uh ratings so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so kind of, kind of changing subjects again, uh, the other, the other topic that you brought to me that I kind of wanted to <laughs> maybe discuss a little is Adam Sandler movies. So, um, so there's, there's a lot of movies that I have seen, but there's also a lot of Sandler movies that I haven't seen. Uh, like the cla like honestly the classics, like Happy Gilmore, I have not seen, okay. uh, but what, like, I guess, what was your inspiration of wanting to talk about um, this? I, yeah, so I, I grew up watching a lot of these movies. Um, and I think the funny thing, at least comparing it to the Three Flavors Conetta trilogy, is that it also has pretty much the same directing, um, same Adam Sandler, but he also includes um, the same cast in it as well. Um, with a lot of his friends, like uh, James Spade and, um, oh, I forget the other actor. That's okay. Anyways, um, they, yeah, they kind of all have the same feel to them. Um, and they're not as, they're not as different as the Three Flavors Kinetic Trilogy. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a take on doing the same thing over and over and over again, but more of like a home feel to it. Um, mm -hmm. People can relate to it a lot more. Um, yeah, something about that to me just stands out. So, yeah, that's cool. I what I guess what what did you have any specific movies in mind that uh, you, you like when you think of Adam Sandler? Do you think of <laughs> what do you think movies? of? Um, yeah, I I don't know which ones you've seen, but um, yeah, Happy Gilmore, uh, fantastic. Billy Madison, um, The Water Boy. Uh, the Longest Yard. Um, I have seen none of those films. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't I, like. I don't know why, but I just haven't. Those, all those movies, I just have never. They've never kind of come on my radar. But I've seen. A, but I've also seen a lot of Sandler movies. Like I've seen. Um, I remember seeing Bedtime Stories, uh, mm -hmm. The Grown Ups movies grown-ups and grown-ups too mm -hmm. um i remember seeing jack and jill where yeah. or, and more recently what's interesting is i haven't seen i haven't finished the movie but i started watching uncut gems okay that's on my list I, okay yeah it's <laughs> so uh i started watching it my my brother emilio loves the movie um, he saw it in theaters and I, it was on Netflix and I, I have kind of been, I mean, I, I, I really like kind of just going out there and kind of seeing new movies. And so I've heard a lot about it. Uh, I've heard that it's pretty good. So I started watching it and uh, I could, I, I watched like, I think 20 minutes. It's a hard movie to watch <laughs> because so Adam Sandler plays like a jeweler, who, um, I, I, again, I didn't watch, like, I, I, can't, I probably can't speak on it much, but it's a more, it's a very serious, more, it's a drama movie um, where Sandler plays like a kind of a shady jeweler who basically wants to get ahead and wants to make these deals. 
and literally like I was watching it and I'm screaming at the, I'm screaming at the movie. Don't do that. Don't do that. No, because he, there's a scene where he like takes a really fancy ring and he's, he's obviously really likes it. Uh, and he, he like hold, wants to hold on to it uh, for this like professional basketball player or something like that. And then he needs to give it back to this player but then he just like he just gives it he uses that as collateral for an, another purchase and that's only the beginning like i was like what oh. are you doing <laughs> and i mean, it's it's it happens at the very beginning of the movie and it's i i just i part of me just doesn't want to watch it cuz i don't want to be just in a state of please don't do that please don't do that for the whole movie um but i i do want to finish it to see kind of where where the plot goes and how it progresses um, but it was just, it was really hard to watch. Um, but that yeah. like, but it's so well done, as well. Like okay, Sandler, you're so invested in his character from the very beginning, and he gives such a good performance that I was just I, I I didn't I at first I didn't even think it was it doesn't it didn't feel like Adam Sandler at first it just felt like that character, and it was so well done and so, and it's. I, it, just, it was so well done that I just had such an extreme emotional reaction to it. Just, <laughs> it was just so hard to watch, but it, that was good, I guess. Yeah, so. I, I think that's the reason why I, I want to watch it. Um, yeah. It's just, I, I've heard it's so different from, you know, the old classic Adam Sandler and is. all these really dumb comedies, you know, that we see over and over again. Yeah, um, yeah like Jack and Jill or even like Fifty First Dates or some of those um, like rom-coms that we see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really cool that he's stepped into kind of like a new, just a new genre for him, um, something that he's not super familiar with. Um, but yeah, from the reviews I've heard and from people I've just talked to, I, I hear he's done an amazing job with, with Uncut Gems. Yeah, and I, I remember when, when Uncut Gems was coming out, he, Sandler was like, with Uncut Gems, he really wanted to be like win win awards with it, and he was just like, "Here, like I can like he wanted to kind of just <laughs> show show people like, hey, I can I can act drama, I can win one of these dumb awards." Like it was just so funny how like, it it felt like he was just kind of fed up with the whole like elitist attitude of Hollywood and like the Oscar scene. It's like, well, I've I mean, I'm a good actor, I can do this too. Yeah. And I think he, I think he definitely showed that he has a place, like whatever he does, and his talent is just definitely just on display in this movie. Just because, like I said, it you you feel like just so invested in the character, and I, I I haven't seen it for a while. I just remember how invested <laughs> I was in the beginning, and it's, and yeah, yeah, um, that's super cool to hear because I mean I, I've I've loved Adam Sandler for you know, since I first started watching those movies. Um, and the thing is, even with those those dumb comedies where not a whole lot happens, I, I still think he's an amazing actor in them. Um, he still provides a lot of depth to the characters. Um, and, you know, they're, they're comedy based, but mm-hmm. you can tell he still works hard for them at the time. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of times people like people think very critical of Adam Sandler because he makes all these dumb comments, but he's still making movies. He's making these movies. He's, he's doing what he loves. And I just don't, I don't appreciate when people like kind of uh, like critics or just fans just like kind of criticize somebody for doing like a job and doing what they love to do. And especially Adam Sandler, he seems very fed up with people having this idea of him. But even even in movies, like I remember watching um, Just Go With It on Netflix with Jennifer Aniston, and I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, it was kind of more of a typical rom-com, I guess. Like there, a lot of them are very the same. But <laughs> yeah, but it was just it's a it's a it was a you're invested in his character from the very beginning, in my opinion, and it's just very interesting how all of this progresses, and yeah. Some. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think a lot of people have have typecast him, um, mostly because of all the movies he's made. Um, yeah. You know, when you make the movie, the same movie like ten different times, people are going to associate you with only that character. 
Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, if you're kind of a lovable idiot throughout, <laughs> then, you know, people might think of you as the same, you know, in the real world, uh-huh. um, which I think is a big thing for just a lot of actors, um, not wanting to be typecast. And yeah. I think recently a lot of movies have been switching to more drama. I don't, I don't know if that's a pattern you've noticed, but just that like the entire industry is, is going more towards serious um, topics. Well, yeah, because I mean, like when when these Sandler movies were coming out, or when, um, like, just in the two thousands, there was a lot of these rom coms, a lot of mm-hmm. these um, very kind of just more comedic, like less serious movies, um, and then more in the in the early like, and then like superhero movies started being a big thing, and so now there's like a superhero, so and then those started coming, and there's only there's there's only like a certain amount of movies that can be made in a year, <laughs> like big budget, like big yeah. studio movies, and kind of I, I I do agree that a lot of more movies are kind of possibly uh, kind of going to drama. It's it's you don't see a lot of the rom coms or um comedies anymore you really don't you see a lot of you still see a bunch of action movies sci-fi superheroes and dramas but you don't you don't see comedies and comedies aren't really even thought of as being possible for best picture it's all best picture nominees are always just dramas which i guess i we can i i want to talk about the oscars in another day but like (laughs) Because I, I really am, I, I like the, I like kind of the discussion about that. I really like watching the Oscars, but I also, the, I have so many problems with it. Um, <laughs> I, I but, agreed, agreed, yeah. Yeah, I totally see what you mean by there being so many dramas now. And I think, I think it's not just dramas, but a lot more superhero movies, a lot of action mm-hmm. movies. And, um, I, and like, rom-coms nowadays really feel like a dime a dozen, like just feel really i mean i feel rare, very rare and so when when there's one it has to be kind of good <laughs> it's like not like kind of you can like in the past you kind of were able to early 2000s mid 2000s you kind of got away with it kind of being kind of not as good or bad because or not not bad but like not kind yeah, of, medi- kind of same formula yeah because yeah. all of them were like that like that's sure. that's what people like would like but now this so it's so rare that you have a rom-com or you have a comedy movie so that when you have one like it it should be good like it should be really stand out and special yeah um I, I think there's definitely there's still a lot of rom-coms being made but none of them are actually being like ever talked about um, i think a lot of them with streaming and with um yeah netflix and all that are a lot of them are just kind of for lower budgets they're being done with lower budgets, like lesser known casts and being just kind of dropped on streaming services because studios are like, we have to make our money with this movie. And if we don't, that's not okay. And so yeah. they want to, they want to put out the big, so when they make movies or when movies are made, they, the studios buy up all the superhero movies, the blockbusters that will get mm-hmm. the theaters. And then all these rom-coms that, that used to be released in theaters because there's nowhere else they would be released are kind of picked up by entities like Netflix and um, that like Disney plus and HBO max and all these, like all these companies, all these streaming services where they can just dump them because they might not be as they, they could be like very critically acclaimed or whatever, but they're, they don't have as much draw to like the movie theaters. And so people will probably want to go on streaming and watch them. Yeah, um, kind of one of the the last topics for this discussion. What what is what is your take on the move to streaming services, um, kind of away from the movie theater? Which, from have no, having known you for so long, I know you're a huge movie theater buff. Yes, um, you go all the time. You get you know you buy tickets way yep. ahead of schedule. Um, yeah, kind of. What's your what's your take on that? I mean, it's it's. My answer would have differed at the beginning of this year uh, <laughs> to right now because I mean, 
Yeah. Cause like, honestly, I don't know when we're going to get back to the theaters and they just, I, I wanted to bring this up or talk about this, but they just announced that Mulan, the live action remake of Mulan is actually going to be on Disney plus. They're yeah. going to be releasing that on Disney plus as well as certain, certain theaters. Um, but like you have to pay so much more on Disney plus, like you have to pay, there's like a $30 upcharge to be able to see Mulan, which is really, yeah. Because like, it's, it's being released there. Is that why? Yeah. So, okay. so, so you have your, say you're a Disney plus subscriber, you yeah. pay like $10, <laughs> like pay like $8 a month or whatever. Sure. And you want to see Mulan. So whenever Mulan comes out in theaters and on uh, streaming, you have to pay then $30 to see it on Disney Plus. Even okay. though you're already a subscriber to Disney Plus. That, huh. That's really interesting. Um, um, Disney's making a, a huge, a huge move on that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and I personally like really don't like the whole, um, I don't, I mean, it's when you're talking about just releasing movies now on streaming and not kind of skipping the theatrical window, I really hate that. Um, I really want these movies to be in theaters. You wait the, the two months, then you can possibly get it on Blu-ray, and then you wait another month, and then it's somewhere on a streaming service. I really enjoy that kind of timeline, which mm -hmm. because of coronavirus, it's that I don't... In 2021, 2022, I don't know how that that timeline that timeline is definitely going to be increased, like it decreased. I think uh, Universal made a deal with AMC so that the the um, premium VOD is going to be 17 days after a theatrical release, and so oh, okay. companies can put um, their movies on like Apple, so you can rent movies on Apple or Amazon or whatever um, for that for that. Um, Kind of fee 17 days after they've released in theaters which is super weird the whole landscape <laughs> of movies and releases is really muddled right now and so um it's it's just so weird but i guess i'll i'll separate it as like movies just being like i'll separate it with streaming and like new releases so okay. like streaming services honestly are really good for movies in general because mm -hmm. I talked about it, I've talked about it before, but there are so many streaming services which allow that are competing with each other, which allow there to be so many movies available that wouldn't be. Like I remember, even like a a couple years ago, like before 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 all these new streaming services, there was a movie that I wanted to see, and I would want to I would just go buy it on. Uh, iTunes because there's nowhere else to see it. I'd look on. Oh, it's not on Netflix. Okay, well, I'll, I really want to see this movie, so I'll just buy it. Yeah. But now, like, okay, let me let me look at let me look at a movie. All right, so it's not on Netflix. Oh wait, but it's on Amazon. Um, and then there's a movie. Oh wait, no, it's not on HBO. It's not on Netflix. Oh, it's on Stars. And yeah. um, there's so many streaming services. And they're competing with each other, and so they want to have a library of movies. And so the viewer, um, if you have the money, of course, to shell out for all these streaming services, but they also have free trials for a lot of them. So mm -hmm. if there's a movie you want to see, you can just kind of see the movie on the free trial, and then kind of just not 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 do it. But there's so many movies from so many different sources that a lot of movies now you can just see if you want to see it. There's somewhere to see it, which I really like um now as as it goes to and also streaming services allow their as we were talking about to be more movies made to have more funding for movies more smaller movies are just getting put on streaming well um, yeah that's um that's the thing you know netflix is is one of the biggest contenders yeah. right now in terms of making their own films and their own shows and stuff like that um and i, I think that gives a lot of actors and you know directors a, a better opportunity to create the yeah. projects that they want because no, you know no. Netflix will fund these like smaller projects um, instead of these big box office things yeah and I, I think that's really good for the industry as a whole because it makes I mean it's just it allows for more stories to be told more um more jobs more just creativity in in the scene but 
there's also the so with the coronavirus i've been really um not really enjoying the kind of consequences of it because <laughs> yeah. not only have basically every movie since april been pushed back and delayed mm-hmm. but it's i i haven't seen a new movie like a new a newly made movie in a while and then they were all they universal started with like release oh we'll just release movies on um just there they just release movies and they put a hefty price tag to just rent the movie um which for for like families it's pretty good deal they can all gather around the tv pay the 20 dollars. but for someone like me who I usually go see movies by my, I, I would go see movies by myself. I'm not going to pay $20 to rent Trolls World Tour. I'm sorry. I really want to see Trolls World Tour, but I'm not going to pay $20 to just rent it. And yeah. because when, because two, two, two months down the line, I can pay $20 to buy it and own it. And so I don't, I don't like that kind of practice. And so I actually haven't seen any of the movies that way. And also it's, I think this is the whole streaming service has also kind of provided a catalyst for po- possibly the death of, or the, the, the success of movie theaters, because I love the theater mm-hmm. experience. I hate seeing new movies at home. I hate it. No, I, um, yeah, I mean, personally, it was always a big thing for my family to be able to go to the movie theater. Yeah. Um, my grandma's favorite thing, you know, she mm-hmm. would get a popcorn to share and maybe a small IC or something um it's super awesome even if i like didn't want to see the movie yeah like, the movie theater experience is like very nostalgic for me um but yeah as you were talking about i think i think coronavirus is is kind of it's speeding up the the death of the movie theater i mean yeah. you you could tell movie theaters were kind of on the decline you know several several years ago mm-hmm. um but i think everything that's been going on people are just realizing oh maybe we should just be done with it now um yeah. it has kinda, its, yeah it's kind of sad to see yeah the streaming services have their pros and their cons they allow for more <laughs> movies to be made but they're also taking the light off of the theaters and i definitely get what you mean when you say just the nostalgic i love going to the theaters not like not only because i get to see a new movie um but just mm-hmm. kind of it's just it makes an event out of seeing a movie rather than oh like like nowadays it's like oh like i want to see oh do you want to see this movie uh, sure whatever with my yeah. family or whatever but but when there was like a new superhero movie or just a new movie i was like oh let's go see this movie or i and then just getting the tickets all just like <laughs> i remember just there's t- there's stuff that you do with the movie theaters getting popcorn uh i remember just going going to the bathroom before the movie uh mm-hmm. so you don't miss anything and I remember times when I've uh, like seen a movie, but I had to go to the bathroom. And so when I see the movie again, I see new stuff because <laughs> I missed it the first time. Yeah. And, and at home, you can just oh, just pause it, pause well, it, pause thing. it, pause it. And you at the and the the annoying thing for me when we're watching a movie is you keep pausing it, and then like somebody goes to the bathroom maybe somebody goes to get a snack somebody goes like does a does the laundry or something and it just it it drags and drags and drags and you just when you've been watching a movie for an hour and you feel and you've gotten like 20 minutes in the movie it just feels so just lethargic and i feel i get so bored of movies watching them at home it kind of loses its its feel you know Mm -hmm. like personally i think movies are made you know, for the big screen, yeah. um, they design them that way, you know, to be super high definition and to be continuous. And so the fact that we're able to pause movies, like blows my mind a little oh, bit. Um, it, 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 at, at a very low level, it kind of ruins the experience. And then um, what's, what's worse is when you watch like half a movie one night and then <laughs> yeah. people are tired and then you have to go back like the next night to watch it. Mm-hmm. um it's just it it really just doesn't give they're they're very like they just feel so long when i'm watching them at home but if i watch so say if i watch one movie at home and i watch the same exact movie in the theater 
the experience watching it is so much better in the theater. And I might like the movie more if I yeah. watch it in the theater. I, yeah, it, and not, not to say that the movies are worse, but I, I think streaming services, at least from like the, from the viewer, it kind of trades like quality for quantity, yeah. you know? Um, we, yeah, we, like, we get a lot of these movies out, but if I'm watching on my phone, you know, this little, I don't know how many, what's that, three by seven <laughs> inches or whatever, like that's, that's not going to be the same experience. I'm not going to be able to appreciate, oh, look at this little detail in the corner of the screen, you know. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't personally think the movies are worse by any means. I just, I no. think in terms of the viewing, the viewing experience, the, quant or the quality is less. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm glad you brought this up because I'm very like, I'm, <laughs> I, I care much about this and I'm very like passionate about this whole, because it, it's, it's very interesting how um, kind of the, the landscape has changed and kind of what, what has gone on. I'm really curious to see how, because there's two options. Either theaters are going to reopen soon or they're just never going to reopen, which I really... I don't want to happen. I really doubt that that's going to happen, but that's a possibility. It is. Um, yeah. Which is really scary because if I have to, I might have to like figure out some way of watching movies at home. Uh, whereas like saying, oh, you cannot pause the movie. Like telling my family, <laughs> you cannot pause this movie. You can't like maybe, maybe having a box of phones, putting it like in a different room. And so we can really just experience a movie. Um, I like yeah. that. That might be like, I might have to be thinking about that and ways to kind of make the viewing experience at home better um, because it's just, it's not right now. It's just not as, it's not as fun to watch movies. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. My, my family hasn't watched a movie together in uh, a couple of years now, but wow. um yeah, it'll be really interesting to see kind of, kind of after everything is done, like what the state of movies are in general. I mean, yeah. in these big productions and is it really worth it because people aren't going to the movie theaters anymore? Um, and, you know, that's that's really what Marvel's for. And like, you know, these huge box office movies, like yeah. they're made for the big screen. Like, absolutely. Well, that's why they've been pushing back and Christopher Nolan like has been pushing back Tenet because he, yeah. that is a movie. One, they need to make their money back on that movie. <laughs> um, one, because Christopher Nolan is like, has, is taking a big, he, he gets a lot of the bo like box office as well. But that movie was probably expensive to make and that movie is made for the big screen. Movies like No Time to Die, the new Bond movie. Mm -hmm. Movies like quite like, one of my mo my most anticipated of the year, Quiet Place Part Two, uh, Black Widow, all these movies are made for the big screen. More yeah. like the the movies that they put on uh, streaming, like Trolls World Tour, Scoob, <laughs> um, The Invisible Man, uh, The Hunt. Uh, these movies, like you can kind of take them or leave them on the big screen, but there's certain movies that you kind of have to see big screen audience. The whole nine yards. It's a, it's a, it's an event to go see this movie, and um, it, I don't want it to be belittled. And obviously, the people who made them also don't want to be them have them be belittled too. Oh, let's just pause it a couple times while watching it. You know, watch yeah. half of it and then stop watching it. I think hypothesis: Disney might come in and take over the movie theater scene. Yeah, they they buy out AMC. And they, they run all of the theaters, so that way only their movies can be made there. And that's, that's the only thing we ever see in the big screen. They're just, I, um, they're just you know, Marvel and um, what, all the other companies that they have. So, <laughs> I don't, that's, that's an interesting thought. I don't think that that'll happen. Probably um, not. But just because everybody in the scene would be like, no, you can't do this. Yeah. Uh, there'd be so much outrage because, <laughs> um, but also it's just, I think that if movie theaters open soon and kind of hopefully just this is all on hope, like if coronavirus kind of just settles down, won't be as bad, people feel 
safe to go to the movies, then everything kind of, I think, I think overall there could be like a very, like this could help in a way possibly with, because people have been, oh, I haven't been able to go to the movie theater in like yeah. months. Like people once they like, open, appreciate, yeah, yeah. Once they once they kind of reopen and once everything, once people feel safe to go out, they're like, wait, I like I actually I actually miss doing this, and so they go out, and then theaters hopefully get kind of a boom. Um, that's just that's all again. That's all on hope. Uh, hope that <laughs> that happens, but that could be another um, outcome of this. It's. it's I, don't I mean, know. we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, that's all we can do so <laughs> yeah well uh thanks for talking thanks for bringing that up uh and like talking about the three flavors tornado trilogy talking about midsummer of all movies talking about baby <laughs> driver this has been it's been really fun to just talk about this stuff and of course the last 20 minutes talking about the whole state of streaming and state of movies i can talk about this all day I I love I mean I I appreciate streaming services what they are but also acknowledge that they could be killing movie theaters something that I definitely love uh to do it's one of my favorite things to do uh especially during the summer the summer is sucked dude like <laughs> the, the, the time when movies are like every weekend I remember last summer going to movies like every weekend uh yeah. multiple times a week and just really enjoying that and I haven't been able to do that. And it's it's been really just kind of a bummer. Um, but it's 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 really it's really interesting to see how kind of stuff might play out in the future. Uh we'll just have to wait and see. So Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Definitely. Uh, Appreciate it. Yeah, I de- I will definitely probably have you again on soon <laughs> because it's been just Sweet. so much fun talking with you. Uh, you're very it's 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 good because uh i i'm it's nice having you on because it's a lot of a lot of the people i've had on like wouldn't have seen the tornado trilogy or midsummer and so just having another face another perspective and just more as probably more or as much movie knowledge as me it's, <laughs> it's really good to just talk with somebody and so uh thank you for coming on thank you for reaching out uh i'd love to have you again on soon and yeah i've really enjoyed doing this podcast and we're keep on keep on going so yeah um i i love i love talking about movies um yeah i'd, I'd be super happy to be on again Wonderful. So, yeah all right oh. uh so this has been episode eight of kyber loves movies remember if you want to contact the show write a review on apple podcasts or Send us an email at kyberlovesmoviespod at gmail.com. Link in the description. Um, also, I'm, I'm going to probably start trying to put some of these recordings on YouTube. Um, so check us out there. I will announce when those are live. And yeah, I've had so much fun doing the show. Um, definitely, it's been a lot of fun. So... Another another big thanks to Owen for joining me, for actually reaching out and wanting to be on the show. That was awesome. And so thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day.